On this episode of the Moose Hunt Podcast, we're going to sit down with Mr. Ken Mayo, a man who's been with OMM Outfitters since the very beginning. Kenny is a friend to all and one of the nicest people a person can meet, which will very clearly come across in this conversation. We sit down and ask Kenny about his beginning in the outdoors, what hooked him specifically on moose hunting and the idea of guiding, and then we jump into a conversation around quartering moose for retrieval from the woods versus the challenges of pulling them out whole. This is going to be a very good one for people to listen to. It's exciting, it's entertaining, and particularly educational. Enjoy. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Moose Hunt Podcast with OMM Outfitters. I'm your host, Chris Richards, joined today by a special guest, Mr. Ken Mayo. Kenny, how you doing today? Uh, what's up? How's it going? I'm better than some, worse than others. There you go. Right in the middle of the herd. There you go. Um, so really exciting to have Kenny on here today. Um, Kenny has been with OMM since the beginning. Way back. Way back. Way back. And so... Today, we're going to learn a little about Kenny, his passion, how we got into out the outdoors, particularly into guiding, um, a little of the OMM history as well, uh, maybe a couple tips um, from from his his years of expert knowledge and experience. <laughs> um, but Kenny, kind of take us back. You know, obviously, you've had your, had your guide's license for a while. You've been with, you know, the outfitter since the beginning. Yep, um, yep. Take us back. Like, what what got you started? Was it family? Was it friends? Was it, you know, what was the the beginning moments for you? Well, I think it was uh, pretty much the same as for most of us. Started with my family. Um, my my father's passion was bird dogs. As growing up, so I always had a bird dog. Um, I remember him going out after work, and that was a big deal. I even got some old VHS tapes of me and a carriage out there with the dog on point so um and it was really a family thing my mom would be out there with us and then um uh, i remember being eight years old my father saying all right you can shoot the 20 gauge and getting one shell and just putting it in the gun and shooting the clay that was it so that was my first experience with the firearm yeah and uh we grew up on a farm so it was always around animals and yeah. uh you know, communication with animals was something that, you know, from talking to the pigs and listening to them, making their noises, to the chickens, we had turkeys, cows, um, woke up hearing animals. And uh, it was always awesome. And turkeys were really cool because I could get them to gobble. Right. And I'm like, wow. You know, and, you know, it struck me at a young age that you can communicate with animals. And, uh, you know, eventually as it formed into... Uh, understanding what they're saying and what they're trying to say mm-hmm. um so yeah the ripe age of 14 years old i went on my first main moose hunt all in, right in zone eight yep and uh it, back then it was the either sex tag so yep. um you know we were out we really had no idea what we were doing mm-hmm. we had two pickup trucks um back then there was barely handhelds we had didn't have those yeah yeah <laughs> um obviously no cell phones or anything we just had meeting times and places so mm-hmm. um and we were advised to bring the old coffee can with some rawhide string that's right that's right if anyone's ever seen one of those oh it's uh it's special <laughs> yeah so when you think of moose calls 
I, you know, I grew up seeing those too. And, and I mean, I've seen them work. Um, uh, the problem is now, I don't know if you can find a steel coffee can anymore. That's it. I don't think you can. I like, mean, they're all plastic. They're all plastic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So, uh, we fashioned, uh, the old rawhide coffee can up and we were practicing at home. Thought obviously had never heard a moose before, but we sounded like moose, you know, we sounded like, um, <laughs> don't we sound good. Yeah. And, uh, it was about 10 o'clock one morning and I had the old iron sights 308 pump and my father decided to carry a shotgun and uh, we just walked down to Winter Road, and we got down into the Winter Road, and we flushed a bunch of birds, and my dad didn't shoot. He just was like, ah, it might happen. And we got down to, there's a little wet hole, and uh, I hit that string, and wouldn't you know, the friggin' woods erupted, and we had no idea what was happening, but you could just hear the grunt way off, and then you, you could hear him sloshing in the swamp, and all of a sudden, he just started coming. And when I mean coming, you know, if you can hear, if you've heard a bull, he was, I mean, not, every step, every step. And there was a, just a slight, slightest turn in the road. It was overgrown, obviously, with grass. It was the, uh, I think it was Columbus Day, because that was the Monday. It was a Monday. It was Monday. And uh, all of a sudden, he stopped under the edge of the woods and just tore the trees up. I mean, when you could see him swaying and the snapping and you could hear the snot and you could literally feel him, but we couldn't see him, just that slight turn in the road. And you could hear his footsteps when he hit the dirt. And then all of a sudden you heard that just evil sound, just that, and like a ghost, he was gone. See you later. See you later. He had caught our wind. Uh, He actually hit our boot track where we crossed the road. But that was it. That's all it took. Right then and there. I, I was hooked for life at 14. I didn't even see the moose. I he I was a cow. I that's what I you know, I was trying to be the cow. He heard it, he came in, and I was like I was hooked. Um at that time it was still a lottery hunt for turkeys, so I hadn't even drawn a permit for that. So I had mm-hmm. basically no communication with animals, um, you know, other than my farm animals and Lo and behold, the first day we call in. I mean, I looking back on it, he had to have been a giant because he was snapping huge trees and just, just by the way, he sounded with the deep grunts. But uh, so that was something, and I was hooked from then. And then driving out at night, we saw a crotchorn, dumped him, dumped him right there, <laughs> dumped yeah. him right there. Yeah. And what's interesting? So fourteen. Yeah. So that would have been like early two thousands. Early two thousands. Yep. 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 Early two thousands. Um. Really when our population was at a good manageable point and mm-hmm. we were seeing the trophy bulls. Um, often. Often. That everybody re- sort of refers to as the heyday, even though we are still in the heyday. Right. But, um, you know, the, the herd was managed well at that point. So, And, um, you know, it's funny. I think everyone has that that moment of when, at least on this team, when moose became like the thing, yep. You know, I'm sure you're like me. When I we have, you know, I'm I'm fortunate. I come from a hunting family, both sides. Like I didn't have a chance not really to hunt. Yeah, you know, my absolutely. my mother's family, my father's family, and um, you know, those who don't maybe don't aren't familiar with Maine. You know, my father's from the county. Yep. Which the county is Aroostook County, which is the northernmost county in Maine 
which is where we primarily operate and guide. Um, and I, it's very similar type thing. It was, it was not necessary. I had no experience and I, for me, it was a deer hunting trip hmm. and I can remember I'm deer hunting with my father in this spot and we're sitting there watching this road, seeing if deer would cross. And I mean, I'm maybe 13, yeah. maybe, you know, yeah. young, not maybe a little longer than you were, but not much. And this bull was coming through the swamp just mm -hmm. out for a walk and I couldn't see it, but walking through, you know, those, those beaver bogs that grow into the cedar stand. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the noise <laughs> that this moose was making, just commuting to wherever he was going. I remember being, that's <laughs> comical, but I was scared. Oh, uh, absolutely. Like it was a monster, yeah, you know? That's it. And we got up to go walk up to the end of this road. I don't know, to sit on a different spot. I don't know why, but it was getting towards the end of the day. And as we're walking along, there's a little ridge in the road. And I remember looking up and my dad's like, oh, Chris, Chris. And this bull, you know, when I think back on it now, you know, to me, it it, it might as well have been yep. the largest moose that ever walked the planet in Maine, in Canada, <laughs> Absolutely. in Alaska, in Russia, like take it all. Like it was the biggest bull that ever walked the planet. And I remember standing at the base of this hill looking up and he walked across like in the skyline and the sun's kind of setting behind him mm -hmm. and he like got out in the sun and he stopped and then he turned and he looked right at us and he, you know, he was probably a, a 40 inch bull, you know, looking back <laughs> yeah, at it now. Right, right. But I mean, he took up the road <laughs> and he was, you know, that young bull coming into his prime, mm. just healthy, jet black, yep. just, yep. just gorgeous. And I remember right there, I didn't, I couldn't have cared less about going deer hunting. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go deer hunting where the moose were. <laughs> Absolutely. So we could see the moose. Mm -hmm. Or I started wanting to sit on like these yards where the moose tracks were so we could see moose. Or let's go sit on the clear cut, you know, where they might be feeding. So I think we all, it's, it's interesting. We all have that moment. So you had that at 14. Um, yep. Obviously continued hunting in your own traditions. Yeah, um, yeah. How, how did that hunt turn out by the way uh it was it was a blast you yeah. know um you got a, a bowl that night yeah, opening that day. night opening day did the whole snatch block out of the swamp onto the yeah. snowmobile trailer yeah that all the way up kakajio tag it bring it back the next day to weigh it because kakajio didn't have a weight scale yeah because obviously you had to weigh it even though right. it was a crotch horn so that's right you gotta um, do that <laughs> gotta do that and uh i think i pumped uh, a whole clip into him and my old man pumped a clip and a half into him and just, you know, nonsense, but, uh, yeah, oh yeah. but it was, you know, my grandfather was there and my uncle and, uh, it was a blast, you know? Yeah. And then we were able to go bird hunting a couple of uh, the days later in that week. So, you know, helped the other couple parties out and really, uh, the moose hunting experience, if you will, mm -hmm. full course. Um, and then later on just kept going up, uh, never got draw, drew again until 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, but before then, um, you know, outdoors were zip for me. Um, as soon as, you know, I knew I could communicate with animals, it was on. 
The next I went to turkeys, ducks, geese, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever I could. I mean, songbirds, um, calling them in, watching them, uh, learning their calls, especially with the turkeys, um, you know, learning what they're saying, figuring that out. But still, it always stuck with me. You know, I communicated with basically a horse, a draft horse. I mean, a 1,500-pound right. animal, and I knew what he was saying. So it was it was really cool. Um then later on, um, went on my first guided trip. Me and my father went on a bear hunt in Quebec. and uh, As clients. As clients. Yeah. Yep. yep. Awesome. Um, always looked up to the main guide growing up. You know, it was that, that you know, that icon, that yeah. legendary, that legend, the legend of the main guide, you know, Foggy Mountain Guide Service, the guys with the beards, you yeah, know, yeah. Hellstrom, all those guys, um, you know, they really paved the way and just watch it, you know. And my father, his uh, had an elevator route up in the county, so similar to your story, I'd go up there in prime deer season and just remember the game poles and everybody hanging out, and uh, even bear, in September going up on my father's calls, you'd see the bears out there, and it was just, ah, oh, you know? Right, right. <laughs> that was it. That was the dream. Yeah. Um, you know, and then my schooling, uh, went on that first guided hunt, um, you know, didn't have much of a guides, but there was a TV crew there that was also hunting. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, the time that real tree outdoors, all of them, you know, Dury, all those guys were just starting. Outdoors were huge. Obviously, the icons, we, you know, all looked up to them. And uh, that was awesome. And then my brother started getting old enough to hunt and, uh, you know, taking him. You yeah. Know, he wasn't much of a hunter. He didn't really like it, but I know... You know, he went because I liked it, which shout out to you. Appreciate it, guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, th- thanks for having my dad. Yeah. Uh, and just taking him out was really cool. Um, and then some friends would come to me, you know, take me, you know, little things, take me fishing here and there and just uh, seeing the excitement it brought. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the only college I applied to was University of Maine at Fort Kent. So where better to go learn about the woods than, you know, way in, up north in the woods yeah that's, um yeah absolutely. no <laughs> yeah. doubt so i i found my first you know that uh, october um went out you know found my first moose shed while i was bird hunting saw bulls all over the place you know heard just crazy sounds heard the mating heard the, you know hyper estrus just absorbing 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 never had any permits never had any family members that had permits until that time mm-hmm. um it was just I mean, the moose, the icon, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was li- I was there. I was able to live it. Um, my schooling hurt, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it locked you in to be up there, It right? locked... Yes. It locked me in to be up there. And then after my first year, that spring semester, a, mute, uh, a friend came to me and is like, dude, you got to meet this guy. He's just like you when it comes to hunting. He is obsessed with hunting. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. And, you know... About that time, 20 years old, you know, lifting the weights, hitting the gym, hanging out with the boys. Yep. Uh, socializing. Socializing. <laughs> um, you know, not much to do up there in Fort Kent. <laughs> so uh, so I went down um, and I lived uh, about 10 miles off campus in a little town. Mm-hmm. And uh, he stopped by and he comes in. And I had this moose shed on, you know, it was my it was my prized possession at the time, right on right on display. And he's like, "Wow, you found this!" And then uh, my mom made this thing, uh, creative memory scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big thing. And then uh, 
So I started showing Nate and Nate, you know, looked through the first couple of pictures of some bucks I had killed and ducks and everything. And then he put it down and he's like, dude, my mom made the same thing for me. <laughs> so that was, and that was how I, you I, and that was Nathan Terrio met. That was how me <laughs> and uh, Nate met. And, you know, I ended up working down at the marina that summer, stayed up there. And, uh, our idea of fun was uh, rolling out into the woods, anything to do with it, spending as much time as possible in the woods. Yep. Um, and uh, he was just getting his guide's license at the time. He had just become a guide. Um, I didn't have my license at the time, so I was just, you know, shadowing him around, just, you know, helping out where I could and everything. I didn't really think it was possible. You know, it was just still that iconic, you know, prize possession, the guide. And uh, after talking to Nate, he's like, man, it's easy. You got this. I'm like, no problem. And I think I was 20, just turned 20, not even 21. I was going to turn 21 in September. Yeah. That August, I went in and sat for my test and uh, passed the oral, passed the compass. And then we're like, you want to stay for the written part? I'm like, yeah, I'm here in Augusta. Nah, yeah, let's punch this out. <laughs> Uh, passed it that right then and then i think that year me and nate took uh like four or five uh bear clients and uh our first bear was 487 pounds with a bow i think the skull still ranks up in the top you know 15 or whatever all time and uh wow wow it, it the rest goes down in history and that was that that was <laughs> you know it's fascinating when you you know i think yeah i guess i'll get you know, life spiritually or whatever. <laughs> right, right. But you think about these, you look back on what at the time could be just seemingly insignificant moments in life that like set your course. Absolutely. And the relationships you make. I mean, you think about you and Nate meeting up. Yep. Randomly because someone at the <laughs> university you were at yep. thought you guys would click. Yep. And, you know, then y'all started what, that would have been like, oh, three. Yeah, I think it was 03, uh, 03, he got his guide's license. Yeah. I think it was like 04, I was there. So it must have been like 04, 05 when we first started taking yeah. taking guys. So right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> it was, you know, jumped right into it. And, you know, right out of the gate, was, was Moose the passion? Was it, we just want a guide? Like, I, you know, we both sort of liked Moose, you yeah. know, that was the thing. Big racks, yeah. right? You know, yeah, that, right. that was it. Big racks at the time, you know, uh, deer hunting was still big for both of us. Um, you know, the deer herd had taken a hit up there for the winters, mm -hmm. wasn't many deer. So we'd go downstate and deer hunt, but you know, the racks, and then it became, you know, there was another outfitter at the time that produced a video and we were just like, whoa, you know, that was awesome. That that was really it at the, you know, when we were like, yeah, you know, we both had the passion. We both went out finding them, shed hunting, you know, pattering them just like we would do whitetails. Um, yeah. And we'd do the same thing up there and uh, saw pretty much immediate success. It was, it was pretty wild, but I mean, I remember, I think, that, you know, picking up a guy on Wednesday, Wednesday, hadn't seen a bull. And then by like Thursday morning, he had passed up six, you yep. know? Yep. And then he ended up killing just a whopper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, still looking back on it, you know, at the time we still didn't know how 
big that bowl is and still to this day me and Nick shake our heads and like wow that thing was huge right right <laughs> didn't even know what you didn't had, even really. know really no no till it's too young you know too young in the game yeah to really realize and appreciate it at the time and uh you know god's great and he opened so many doors for us so well and i think too you know you touched on something is you know the guides license you know and, and anyone who's not familiar with maine you know it it's uh it is a pretty significant exam process. Um, you have to pass a map and compass. You have to pass a catastrophic event verbal section. You have to pass a written portion. You have to, you know, it's significant. And so, you know, y'all, y'all jumped right into it, Yeah. you know, and I think oftentimes the most rewarding things in life are the ones you're like, we're just going, <laughs> Yeah. we're just going, Yeah. let's see what happens. Um, you know, is, is, you know, some of the people out there listening, maybe listening to this, you know, maybe they're interested in pursuing that passion. Um, you know, looking back at it now, you know, in terms of getting your guide's license, mm. um, you know, as we grow and learn, we all make mistakes and learn Absolutely. from them. You know, what would be if you were going to share some things that maybe you wish you'd known mm. or if you could go back to your... 20 21 year old yeah, self yeah absolutely. that you'd say do this don't do this avoid this like what anything come to mind yeah i mean i think the first thing that jumps out is absorb information mm -hmm. get as much information as possible um there's not one set way to any of it you got to make your own way yeah um there if you can absorb information and you can just sit there and absorb it you'll, you'll do fine. Um, and I say, and I say that because we had influences, um, both, you know, from friends that live in Massachusetts that have nothing to do with the outfitting business at all mm -hmm. to guys that ran some of the top notch outfits in Maine. Yeah. Um, and a wide range of different characters in between. And, uh, I think it was, you know, we got to hear a lot of stories, got to hear a lot of how they screwed up. Mm -hmm. um you know it's just like you know we're doing here sitting around just talking and listening um, yeah you know i think that's one of the greatest things is just listening to people's stories um it, it's fun and uh so we were fortunate on that end um another thing and i look at it now um get involved with an outfitter if you're in an area even if you don't plan on being there outfitters are always looking for people yeah um you might play a small role. Uh, you might grow into a bigger role, but it, it never hurts, hurts to call, get your foot in the door somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's for, if you're a teenager, if you're looking for, you know, the summer job or if it's a couple weeks, whatever. I mean, we're always looking to pass it on. Yeah. You know? That's the outdoors, right? You got to pass it on to continue it. So, um, that's, that's a big thing. I think, you know, is, man, I feel old saying that, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, we're not getting any older, no. Kenny. We're just gaining more experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, that, and then, uh, you know, trusting God, mm -hmm. I, I think I yes. look back on my hunts, um, you know, where I didn't and, I, I know immediately that that played a huge role in it. Um, sticking to your faith and knowing your capabilities as a guide. Yes. Um, you, you don't have to be the best caller in the world. You don't have to be the, you know, literally the best hunter in the world. No. You just got to be out there giving it your all and know what you can do. Um, 
and that comes ties into your whole whole hunt as a as a guide, a professional guide, or just a guy who has a moose permit. Right. Um, know your capabilities. If you can't walk in the woods, you got to plan on where you want to spend your time on the road. Mm-hmm. Gas prices are five bucks by fall. Who knows what they're going to be? Right. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, that's another piece to it this year, right? <laughs> so you know, just keep that in mind um, and use resources that you have. And uh, you'll be fine. I mean, if anybody, you know, I think it's a a thing where people don't want to share information a lot of the times. Guides don't want to do that. But Mm. to the right people that are going to sit there and listen, uh, you know, they're going to open up and a true good outfitter will realize that real quick. You know, you said something, you know, that I think is a key, Kenny, there in terms of getting involved with an outfitter. Um you know, everyone has to start somewhere mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I think the people who can jump in and have profound success and, and to your point of, you know, learn from those around you, I actually can say the more I've been on this team mm. around all these guides around, I mean, you think about some of the legends like Guy Randlett, yep. you know, I can honestly say. I think pre on this team, mm. I was pretty sure of myself. <laughs> um, and I would just, I would say, don't get caught in that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because things change. Mm-hmm. The scenery changes, the land of the, lay of the land, forestry practices. Absolutely. Um, population density or composition um not even necessarily population decrease as much as shifting these cuts are all aged up and there was seven bulls in there last year and now they're all gone absolutely um but i think getting involved in an outfitter no matter what even if you're packing even if you're even if you're don't be too proud to Work at the camps and sweep the floors. Because yeah. guess what? In the evenings, all those clients are going to be there eating dinner. Those guides are going to be there eating dinner. And you might learn more from that than you could even imagine. Absolutely, Chris. And, you know, sometimes those small things that might be hard work that aren't ideal, really what they are is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, so I, I think that's... That's great, great advice. And, you know, you know, keeping the faith because, (laughs) you know, we've, we've all been there. About Thursday, huh? Yep. (laughs) Yep. And, you know, what's funny, uh, you know, wherever someone may be going on a hunt, moose hunt, whatever it is, you know, you have a fixed amount of time. And, you know, in Maine, our hunts are six days. And I've always figured at best you have a half a week usually of killing time. Yep. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. have, and that could be the end of the week. <laughs> yep. And you know, it's, it is a challenging thing, managing expectations, managing, I think clients, especially on a potential once in a lifetime hunt. Absolutely. That, Hey, the weather's going to suck till Thursday. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, it could be slow and maybe you haven't seen a moose in three days, yeah. you know, 
those spirits can get pretty low. <laughs> Very low. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you go out and you can shoot a 50-inch bowl Thursday morning and everyone's hugging and high-fiving and you got two and a half days left and you're wondering, why were we worried? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. so much of it, um, you know, trust the homework, trust the people you work with, because, you know, on these hunts because, what, you're looking for a five-second opportunity? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're lucky, that, that trigger bowl, I mean, yeah. depending on where you are, it's... Uh, it's it's definitely a challenge. I will say that to manage everything, but it's a blast. Um, now, when you think back, you know you've guided uh, quite a few hunts. Um, do you have a favorite? I'm sure they're all unique in their own way. <laughs> uh, there's definitely been their share of unique ones. <laughs> um, I think the one I laugh most about and look back upon now it was my first videoed hunt uh, with the film crew. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yep. Just because it was all on film and I, you know, I look like, you're looking back on it, I'm like, I make fun of that guy now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but just, you know, the, just, you know, being young, um, ended mm-hmm. up, had a client, he was, uh, wanted to shoot it with a bow. Monday morning had a bowl um, that we knew about, knew an area, knew where he lived, basically did our homework on him. Uh, went right in on the end of the winter road, had to wait for it to get light for the camera, which is, off, as some of you guys know, is usually later than shooting light. So, and earlier. And earlier, on depending. The, on the yeah. afternoon. In the afternoon, so yep. another challenge. But it was my first time with uh, with a videographer, so I didn't really know, you know what to do, per se. Um but quickly did I learn after my first cow call and he responded, and Chris, this alludes to you, is that um, that scared look mm-hmm. when they first hear a moose. Yes. So I'm talking, you know, a 300-pound man, you know, in shape, a good good rugged guy um, standing in the middle of a winter road shaking, asking me, what is that noise coming through the woods? And as I'm trying to grab him and throw him in the ditch, like the bull's coming <laughs> right, here. right here, right now. Um, so I was able to get those guys in position and um, I stepped off to the side of the road to call the bull across the road. And I'm calling and I'm watching the trees and the bull's coming closer and closer. And this is my inexperience as a guide at the time. I had told my clients to stay right behind me on the side where I was just tucked into the brush, but I, you know, they were, you know, five yards from me when I went into the brush. Right. And lo and behold, um, I see the tips of the antlers and I just glance back slightly and the client and the videographer had actually walked backwards. Oh, um, really? Because they were They were intimidated. They were intimidated by the moose. Yeah. Um, and the thing pops out, and if they stayed right where I was, the bull popped out at ten yards broadside. Oh, yep, yep. And uh, fortunately, he he was quartering away, and I got him to stop again. And it was a thirty-five yard shot, and I just remember zipping it through him, and he went and tipped over. But it goes back where uh, at this spot we had taken this animal. We were allowed four wheelers, but uh, trying to load that thing in the video of it. Oh my gosh. I just laugh. I just laugh, you know, it's just like, what are you doing? (laughs) Right. You know, and I think it's, you know, but it's always, it's to continue learning. Right. I mean, that was, that was at the time, um, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly I think the added pressure of something made for television. Yep. Um, 
for sure. And you, know, you touched upon in, in, um, you know, it's funny clients I've had, you know, the first clients I had with OMM, um, were hunters from out West. Yep. One lived in Jackson, Wyoming, one lived in Montana. And, you know, and I think it's, it's a cultural thing here in Maine is this weighing, yeah, this weighing of game. Absolutely. Um, and you know, anyone who isn't familiar with that, you know, here in Maine, we have a, a biggest bucks and Maine club and it's, there's like this shoulder patch program that these patches are given out for people who shoot deer, a buck that field dresses, completely field dresses over 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, I mean, I remember growing up and I, I I'll be honest, I still kind of have this culture, yeah. culture dynamic of, I wanted to shoot a 200 pound buck. Mm-hmm. You want to shoot a 1000 pound bull moose. That's it. You know, that's like, that's a thing. Yep. And so, you know, to anyone who's never done this, never seen it, you know, the idea of quartering game where I grew up, I'm sure, you know, oh, yeah, non-existent. quartering a moose was mm. seen as a, uh, an emergency measure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, everything went wrong. Absolutely. I don't think I remember seeing one. I, I've, I only saw a couple and it was always, you know, we had to go way in here and get him where mm-hmm. we didn't want to. And, or, you know, someone shot and hit it back and it made it, yeah, whatever. Out of the chopping. You know, way down in the chopping. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're, we're recording this in my man cave right now. We can go out around the corner and I can show you. I got reels of mill rope out there. I have enough rope out there. I could drag a moose from Texas to Maine, you know, if I needed to. Um, but this transition to quartering game, yep. uh, I think it's a game changer. Absolutely. Um, it's magnificent. It really is. And what was funny when I had the, uh, my clients from out West, mm-hmm. they quarter everything, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Right. And it's fascinating to see the different cultures and I'm not degrading or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fascinating. We shot the moose and I mean, I had no complaints about this. They started getting their knives out to <laughs> like help quarter this thing up, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Oh, dream. Right. Um, but like from your perspective, you know, obviously started guiding when, when did that transition, you know, that's obviously a big kind of shift in practice, mm-hmm. maybe that, but what are some other things when you think back to when you first started to now and maybe thinking towards the future, what do you think are some of the big changes of how you do business guiding and how you've seen maybe even the company as a whole change? Cause obviously you've been in this a lot longer than I have. You know, what are some of those big transitions in practice that you've seen made over the years? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is the cape and quarter. I mean, that that to us is was the difference maker. Um, and at the time, it was what we used to set us apart. Yeah. Um, there wasn't really a lot of other outfitters that did it. Um, you know, like you said, it was always if you can get them into the back of a bed or a truck, do it. Because mm-hmm. at the time, everybody considered that easier. Um, but I mean, when it comes to quartering, holy smokes, I would much rather do that than deal with the rope, deal with, 
you know, snatch blocks, something snapping, people. It just, I mean, if you're a guide, you got to figure you're going to have your hunter at least one subpermanent, right? And yourself. Right, right. So there's three. You're going to need another vehicle, depending on where he is, to pull with. So there's another two people right there. So you're at five people around that moose with all these things that can go wrong. Yeah. It's just not worth it. Let alone, you know, what are you doing to the hide when you're hauling it out of a cut? Right. You know, taxidermists are great, but at the same time, what what happens when you break an antler? Yeah. Um, can't those, ha- things, those things can happen. It, and it does happen, but as a professional, uh, we can't let that happen. Right. So we try to eliminate as much as we can. Um, and it first started, we did our first one, and then it was just like, wow, let's keep going. You know, there's, right. there's no need. Um, look how far we can get into the woods. Look- it, it absolutely, I mean, I can remember being on a moose hunt and it was a cow. We had a cow permit. My uncle had it actually. 2006. And I remember, and I'm not kidding, going in down this road and seeing a group of moose. There was a cow there and passing it up because yep. it was so far from the road. Mm-hmm. You know, so far off this this winter road, right. you, you could get a truck in there mm-hmm. if you if you don't care about the paint. Which <laughs> any of, anyone who knows me knows I don't care too much right. about the paint on my pickup truck. But you know, it, that was but that was the mentality. And that it, was it. You know, it was what it was, and the freedom mm-hmm. when you remove like, and and that may sound bizarre to some folks listening, but that was that was part of it was extraction being a component Mm -hmm. of the moose hunt yeah it was a huge part and elimination of that yep and gear right eliminated the trailer right out of the bat don't have to haul a trailer around don't have to stash a trailer the stuff you got to bring with you the rope i mean the pulleys all that stuff you don't have you don't have to stash it you don't have to worry about people stealing it flat tires you don't have to snatch block or rope you don't have to worry about any of it um and then, you know, we get it, you know, getting it down to a science and it's just the freedom, you know, and just being able to literally go hunt, uh, you know, that was it really what it was for us was just go hunt. And, right. Um, that was awesome. And now that's what we strictly practice. It doesn't matter if we're able to dump them on the side of the road. Um, you don't have to carry it very far. You don't have to carry them very far. And it's just, I mean, it's a great thing for the meat. It gets it cool quick, eliminates the back, any bacteria that you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, going to game bags, you know, it's separated. All your meat is separated. Your quarters are separated. You got your tenderloins in a bag. It's easier for a butcher. They know exactly what they're grabbing. Um, it's all sorted right there. And for a client's perspective, I think that's great. They can see all their meat that they're getting. They can see what it is. And they can literally watch you take every piece of meat off that. Right. I mean, that's how much more rewarding is that, you know what I mean? From a client's perspective, that's awesome. That's what they would love to see. Um, and that's, you know, sort of the out west um, theme and the Alaska theme that we've brought over here to OMM. And then the second big transition was GPSs. Um, when the, I remember the first alarms that came out and aerial photography and being able to see roads that we couldn't see. And right. Like, right. There's a road over there? Really? Oh, I can go cut him off 
because the wind, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. We talk about game changers. Well, bam, there's another game changer right there. And that's evolved, you know, to everything that that's available today for anybody. Um, and that goes into your homework aspect. I mean, you can literally, I mean, some of us live six hours away as guides for this outfit and, mm-hmm. and further. And they do the majority of their scouting right at home on a computer. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that's for anybody that can do that. That's available for anybody, but it takes the time and the effort you got to put in. And uh, for any hunt, whether it's guided or non-guided, you're going to get what you put into it. No, um, absolutely. And so. When you, I think that, you know, that preseason prep, mm-hmm. you know, for anyone, because, you know, we're... We're getting geared up, mm-hmm. um, getting you know, time. you know, uh, you know, we're recording this and you know, the 2022 seasons and a, it's not that far off no. and you know, I, I do encourage, you know, obviously we're guides and so we're, we're going to advocate for the industry and for yeah. other guides mm-hmm. with absolutely, you know, so I, I really do encourage, you know, people, if you, if you've never done a moose, if you're going to do a moose hunt, you've never done one before. You know, whether you won a lottery in Maine or you're thinking of buying it and going somewhere else, if you really don't know the investment you make, you know, in a reputable quality guide, and there's, there are a lot of great ones out there. There's just like anything else. There's something you want to read reviews, get your references. Hmm. Um, The amount of homework, and I think particularly the compounding knowledge, you know, Yep. hunting these regions year after year after year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you remember that the winter road off this loop road grows right in. You need to push through it for 300 yards. And then there's seven hidden clear cuts mm-hmm. back in there and they're three to seven years old and the feed is prime and they're loaded with moose, <laughs> but you'd never know. Never. You right. know, just, going up there. So really, you know, hiring a guy is, is really a good idea. If you don't know the area, um, the logistics of it, hmm. showing up with a duffel and a rifle versus, you know, yeah, a whole c- the car whole, load plus, you know, <laughs> the whole deal. Um, you know, and I think one thing too, you, you touched on the quartering and I'd say to, you know, folks out there who maybe they've never done it, there are some great resources on the web. I mean, the main department of inland mm-hmm. fisheries and wildlife, um, has a, a pretty quality video that they've done showing the quartering yep. of a moose. And wh- again, whether you're doing that in Maine or somewhere else you're hunting, um, it's good knowledge to have. I love how little stuff I bring with me. Yeah. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't know, it? <laughs> when, when you don't have to put your snatch blocks, your winch, your, chainsaw winch your reels of rope and again some people that's what they do that's your plan whatever it's all good you know have a plan for extraction i think that's the most important thing um but man when you when you do say all right we're gonna use quartering as your plan you really do eliminate so much reservation yeah i mean one thing we didn't even touch on with that is think about weather yes think about what we've been hunting in september lately yes yeah. You're out in zone one. Where's mm-hmm. the nearest butcher shop? Long ways. <laughs> Long ways. Long and if ways. you think ice and a tarp wrapped around that thing on 90 miles of dirt roads for four hours is going to keep it cold and keep your meat clean. Yeah. 
Good luck. It's, to it's, you. It is. It's tough. I, you know, we had a moose. Um, my father had a moose hunt. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> so this, I think it was 1987. And he tells me the story all the time because this past year, um, I had the privilege of actually guiding my brother on a hunt and we quartered his bull for extraction. And, uh, my father had never seen it done. And, you know, he had a lot of questions because mm-hmm. again, just, you know, we've been hunting moose since 1980, you know, whatever. And, um, once we'd got halfway through the bowl, he even said, he goes, Oh my God, this is yep." It, because the amount of time to clear your path, oh. start winching, communicating, I, I, I'm not convinced it takes longer. Nah, I I'm, I'm not convinced if it does, so be it. But my father shot this real nice bull and it was October and it got cold that night mm-hmm. and they hung the moose on the backside of camp. And my dad said the next day they lowered it down on a trailer and we're bringing it home. And it got so cold, the moose froze. Ah. Or so they thought. Yeah. Had a right full of ice. It'd been in like the low, t- high 20s, low 30s all night. Moose is fine. Put it on a trailer and they, <laughs> they brought it all the way back to where we live, which is four <laughs> hours from hunting camp <laughs> down the interstate. Yeah. So down the highway and uh funny story, sidebar, had it parked out in front of my parents on this like pizza joint at the time, right on route two. Oh, nice. Right nice. on route two in Dixfield. And it was, it was a real big bull. And my father was out there. People were stopping and mm-hmm. state troopers rolled in and said, you got to get this thing out of here. Cause it was holding up traffic on route two. <laughs> people were like, there was a fender bender. Yeah. People were like, you know, rubbernecking. Yeah. But anyway, they got that moose down to the butcher. And my dad said, first thing they did, they came out and they put that knife in the back of the base of the skull and started running it down the spine. Mm-hmm. They peeled the hide back off those shoulders. And my old man said the steam, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't end up losing any of it, but he said the steam yep. was just rolling yep. out of that moose. Absolutely. And like warm to the touch. Absolutely. And that had been in free at freezing or below yep. freezing temperatures for oh, a night. Yeah full of ice that thick black hide it holds a lot more mm-hmm. so if you can get that hide off get that in game bags you know it especially you know look at the weather you know yep. maybe you're not planning on quartering and then you look and it said wow it's going to be 70 degrees mm-hmm. the first three days of the week you might want to think about that because yep. i you know i've been on some hunts where you know you get it in the truck and and you're tempted to drive faster on some logging mm-hmm. roads than you really should be. And yep. God forbid. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so yep. it does bring some safety to it, too. Yeah. Um, so kind of a final thought, you know, we've kind of gone over a variety of topics here <laughs> from tips on getting your guide's license to um, a little history. And it's always, you know, Kenny, your passion for this is is exceptional. So it's always mm-hmm. it's always awesome to see the excitement, how much you love this. You know, to, to anyone out there, you know, maybe they won their main first main moose hunt or, you know, they're going on the trip this fall, you know, what's one piece of advice, you know, if you could kind of end this with just one, one tip for success or something to keep in mind that you give to anyone, maybe going out on their first moose hunting adventure this fall. 
Yeah, to any of those first-timers out there, um, like we sort of hit here, get your homework done. And first and foremost, make sure it's a legal animal and a good shot. Um, There's been some battles I've seen lately on Facebook about shot placement or whatever. Listen, the heart and the lungs are huge on these animals, okay? Take out the wind first and then anything else you can after that is how I word it to my clients. Mm -hmm. You take out the wind, they're going to go down eventually. Might be a little further than anticipated, but they're going to go down. Uh, Too many horror stories with the hump shot. Um, Yeah, yeah, it might work. Yeah, it worked for George back in 1980. Yep. It worked for Pop, but it doesn't work for all of them. And I can say from experience, um, watching a wounded animal get up and run away, um, it's just the most sickening feeling I've ever had in my life. And I just... I don't want that for anybody, and we respect these animals way too much. They they deserve way better than that from us. So um, just make sure you have your shot. Um, if you got a sub per mini, make sure you guys are dialed in um, at all variety of ranges. I'll put it that way. And yeah. know your capabilities. Like I said, just know your capabilities and uh, have fun. Be safe. Good stuff, Kenny. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And... Uh you know, be safe out there and we'll look forward to uh, sharing some more with info with you on the next podcast. Take care.